0: Let's talk rallying, and welcome along to Crunching Gears, Season One, Episode Two. In this episode, we talk with Frank Kelly. Frank describes his early career in stock cars before moving into rallying. He started off in a Fiesta before moving to a Mark II, and then onto an F Two Escort, and then moving back to the Mark Two Escort, and a few cars along the way before he finally found Baby Blue, and the love affair began. Uh, Frank will go into some detail telling some fantastic stories as he charts the history of himself and the cars he had along the way and his travel around the world. I hope you enjoy it. What could you do in a works car, with works back up you think Frank? Take it handy and win every rally around.
1: Fisher and Andrew Nesbitt have made the 1999 event a classic, as we have already said. Never has so much been provided for so many by so few. The proudest time and the a seat of a rally here, because that day and that hour and those minutes, I got the bit between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets and, and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said we're going for gold bat.
0: Frank Kelly, uh, welcome to the this week's podcast. Uh, how are you getting on now with the whole lockdown situation?
1: I'm happy as a pig in a bottle, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my natural habitat in my garage, uh fruiting at baby blue. Um, I've been 100%. It's, it's, it's gone on a long time and obviously the, the world is a very different place from what it was three or four months ago. But they all talk about the new normal. As long as the new normal involves mark IIs and rallying, I'll deal with the new normal when I get there.
0: <laughs> How did you get anti motorsport in the first place? Was there a family connection? Or Yeah,
1: um, funny, I've been asked that a few times and I've always traced it back in my own head. To uh, My father took me to the Fintan Hill Climb as it was back in the day mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and that was the first time I probably was no more than five or six and I remember smelling Duckham's race oil for the first time <laughs> <laughs> and that smell has stuck with me ever since that smell uh, uh, you still get an odd uh, BDA man that uses it yeah. uh, it's an old mineral oil and the smell is just intoxicating and watching the cars up and down that hill um, that was the start of it for me, as in I was going to be in motorsport in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later later on, uh, my dad started uh, stock car racing up at Lye's track outside Oma, which has recently reopened again, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to prep, help and prep the car, and then I took over the prep of the car when I was sort of 11 or 12. Yeah. And then I got using the car in a junior race. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was it. It's been downhill ever since.
0: Yeah. what type of car were you in then?
1: Uh, it was always Volkswagen Beetles. They were the weapon of choice. So it was the only yeah. thing that stuck the bait and the banging around mm-hmm. the quarries and they had the really good traction, uh, being rear-wheel drive, mm-hmm. rear engines. Mm-hmm. Yes. And at that stage, they were so plentiful, you mm-hmm. know, uh, 20 quid got you two and a free one if you come and lift with them right away, sort of thing.
0: Yes.
1: So uh, I would, me and my family would be very much responsible for taking all the Beetles out <laughs> of circulation, basically.
0: Something to be thankful for.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was our,
0: our, uh, our contribution to society. <laughs> 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 and didn't you have some like, rare combinations that you put out the engines in them or something
1: too? Aye, uh, we did all kinds of stupid things. Um, we used the, the big engine for a long time, then we moved to the Volkswagen Caravan L 1600 Volkswagen engine. Then I started, when I was still at school, I started putting uh, Weber's on them, like a twin choke Weber, mm-hmm. uh, which actually worked real well, and then... Them engines were getting hard to get and then we moved to the 411 and 412 which is the fast black fuel injected engine which were a bitch to wire up uh race them for a while and then uh, the first non-vw engine i used was uh, a pinto i put a pinto engine in the middle in the middle of a vehicle yes uh which is a project that sort of designed at school that this would work if i turned the gearbox around and i knew that it would end up with well, the gearbox turned around it would end up with four reverses and one forward yes. But You can actually take the diff out of them and turn it around, put it in the other side, and that reverses your gear. And so Mm -hmm. that was grand. But I left myself with a very high center of gravity, so she was on her roof more often than her (laughs) wheels. Combination of driver and balance. But I realized very quickly with the big uh, chassis up the middle of a vehicle, this this engine sitting on the top of it didn't work. And I didn't have any great fabrication skills. It was uh, brute force and ignorance. So (laughs) then next thing I'd done after that was put an alpha 2-liter engine in in her. Uh, It hung out the back in the traditional place. Uh, yeah. Left there, nearly no steering input whatsoever. Everything was steered from the rear, but traction was class, and the Alpha engine back then was like 130, 140 horsepower out of the box.
0: Yeah.
1: With twin 40s on them standard. Very little of an exhaust, and it was just a complete animal. It was the millington in this day, if you yeah. like, because uh-huh. it scared the shit out of me every time I got into it. <laughs> so it was, it was great, and big 16-inch Lanova tires in the back. And then the very last one I did, before I quit the stock racing, in Beatles was i put a rotary Mazda engine in the back of one because you could close the boot and nobody knew it was in there and it was okay. just a funky thing to do i squealed his brains out but it hadn't the torque it was a standard engine right. it hadn't the torque of the big alpha engine but that was uh-huh. the last sort of those foray. <laughs>
0: so what took you from the stockyards into rallying
1: uh well i had a i had a big gap in motorsport at that time like 2000 or 20 no, 20, 19, <laughs> sticks. I head off to London to make my fortune and spent nine years there and made fuck all. But uh, <laughs> it, it was, um, there was no motorsport involved at all. So I came home and wanted to get straight back into it. Um, so I went up to Blythe's and still run. So I built a wee Alpha 33 with a flat four Alpha engine, put a 1,700 on it and raced away at that for a couple of years. But then uh, Connor, as you know, Connor, my brother, Got the job of navigating for John Welsh, uh, the mad John Welsh in a Chevette at the Bushwagger. Yes. And I had seen a few rallies. I'd been at a few rallies, obviously, to a but I wasn't a good spectator by any means. So um, I went with him to drop him off that morning, and I got roped into servicing for John, because John, as usual, had no service career at all. And he just really ropey Chevette. And I realized as I kept trying to keep this thing going all day and stop it from hemorrhage and oil and putting starters knock cleaners, batteries in it and shocks it was just a parcel of dung mm-hmm. and I realised that my stock car was a better car than this rally car because I always had this notion that rally cars were such a high tuned high tech animal mm-hmm. I could never afford one or, or, or keep one on the road so me and Connor drove home that evening and hatched a plan because Connor sat up there didn't call a note the whole day didn't have a pencil didn't have a pen didn't have a watch just sat there like a dummy and watched this whole crack Uh John John Welch was a really good driver, and and I would say if he set John into a car now, he still make her go hard up and down the road. Mm. So uh, he had a good run, he enjoyed it. But he says, you know what, me and you need to build rally cars because that's is doable, and that's the way it went. Then you know a couple of months later, we were rally cars, stock cars were sold, and we we're on the hunt for rally cars.
0: <laughs> and the first car then was was Fiesta. We oui, Fiesta, <laughs>
1: the idea was cheap and cheerful. Um, bucket of taillights was a tenner, um, so. I wanted to, do like, mark twos and sunbeams, and I went and even looked at a couple of them. But they were big bucks, and the worry was, especially even then, it was harder to get parts from them than it is now. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be racked on a regular basis, so I thought, this week Fiesta, mark twos Fiesta, they're all over the place at that point. It is a like an X-Circuit Brown's hatch car, single-make thing. Mm-hmm. So it was fairly standard. It had a cage bolted on to um, a CV8 1600 engine and a standard gearbox with a QFDF in it. So I thought right this will get me started but the Fiesta stayed a lot longer than I ever expected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she had a hard life with you as well.
1: She had a hard life and um, Jesus she was like a Tonka toy. Uh, it took a long time to kill her. Um, Fiesta she rallied for a long time and, and went surprisingly well. Nobody rallied front wheel drive fiestas like but Mm -hmm. and i I discovered why (laughs) there there was lots of problems lots of inherent you know a fiesta was came out with a 950 cc engine for a reason it didn't want to go over 70 mile an hour because it was unstable and it didn't steer and it didn't do anything but over the years it it taught me a lot it taught Mm -hmm. me a lot about geometry and about bump steer and about gravity and roll centers and wheelbases and it it taught me a lot it really did taught me the hard way but um Mm -hmm. I learned a lot through it and, I, and I, it grew over the years too. And, and just with budget and stuff, there was no money to do anything. So everything came out of the scrapyard. You know, you, I went to scrapyard one day to buy, um, I was going to go from CVH8 valve, 1600 up to a 1600 ZTAC, 16 valve. Mm-hmm. And I went to a scrapyard to buy one out of a Mondeo. And next thing, there was a two litre sitting beside it, exactly the same money. <laughs> And I was back on the motorway before I realized what I had just done. I just moved myself into class 13, essentially, <laughs> yes. in a bloody fiesta. Uh-huh. What, was I, what was I thinking? But <laughs> that was bolted in, uh, bog-standard, and then I got a set of Kent Cams and I started a bit of flowing at the head and put a set of 45s on it. Put a uh, close-ratio box. And it, it was a wee pocket rocket. It went really well. It only had, like, maybe 160, 170 horsepower, but a wee thing uh-huh. flew. Um, and being as the handling was fairly basic, it couldn't take much more but then I ended up widening her two inches and in lengthening her by four inches to try and get stability in it and yes. put six or four metro struts in the back of her and, and made her independent at the back mm-hmm. and there was Cosworth escort struts in the front of her, all Bilstein stuff but yeah. it got to the point that if you were really committed in her, she could take on the escorts but mm-hmm. committed committed was probably under, statement that it was suicidal most of the time you were on the door handles the whole way and Yes. the it law with the lack of talent he ran out of talent very quickly and the next thing it was on his roof and rolled down the middle of the road but it was really hard to kill it took a long time to kill that car and how did
0: you finally manage to kill it
1: <laughs> I finally killed it I think it was 2001 I think it was the foot and mouse year I think
0: Right.
1: I'm bad with dates Kev yeah, but yes. it was somewhere around that uh, Finton McGuckin was co-driving from me at the time and Fenton was a great lad he, he came to every rally no matter where I was going he was there and we and, and he, he was a real good lad and he, he asked me once what do we do it would have been the GMW stages or something they called it. Oh, General Motor
0: Works, Yep. Uh-huh. General do you remember Motor that? Week, yes.
1: We festival rally, I think it was like on a Wednesday evening or something.
0: Something like that. It was always like in June or something, wasn't it? I summer
1: Summerish time. Uh-huh. But uh, I said, right, listen, no bar. It's not a place I've ever been or ever wanted to go, but that's grand. You want to do that. You've followed me around the frigging country. We'll go to that, surely. Now, again, I hadn't looked into it very much. There was a gravel rally, but I didn't realise we did two laps of nuts corner in the middle of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I arrived there wondering why everybody had bolted on tarmac wheels and I was sitting on Four (laughs) Nobleys. So we we bit round Knott's Corner and basically cleaned the tires clean off her and then had to go straight to the next four stage. So about a mile into it we had a three head on in third gear. uh, Made an awful mess and broke a few bones and one thing or another and just a big mess. So the Fiesta was eventually dead,
0: Uh she was dead, she dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, there was a couple of events in and a red mark too then at that stage.
1: Aye, that was the next candidate. Uh-huh.
0: Uh,
1: I decided that once the Fiesta was dead, like the Fiesta had survived, I think I had eight or nine years in the Fiesta uh-huh. in various cases. So she eventually died and, and uh, Jesus, you know, scrapping her was even a problem because um, the engine was burst, the gearbox was burst. The brakes were broke, the, the struts were bent, <laughs> the shell wasn't shit. I hadn't much to sell. So I was starting from basics again. And yes. financially, it, was, it wasn't it was simple. So I reblocked the engine and sold it. And I rebuilt the gearbox into a new case and then sold it. And, I, and eventually, believe it or not, it broke into probably more than i would have got if I sold the car. I know, I it. know yes. So I got, gathered that up and I kept kept checking out for uh, for cars. And I, I heard about this uh, Mark II down in Donegal. Like... Uh, any man knows not to buy it. <laughs> <one of them. laughs> but in fairness, and fairness, uh, it, was, it was a decent car. I went and drove it. Uh, my collarbone was still broke, so I couldn't <laughs> drive it anywhere near properly. Uh, I was strapped up and drove down the road, and going, Jesus Christ, I can't even steer this thing. But um, so I bought that there, and uh, I only maybe done six or seven rallies. Mm-hmm. I could see right away that an escort was unbelievable. I couldn't, I couldn't get over the traction. Yeah. You know, a front wheel drive should be a grippier thing, but the inherent design of an escort, the way it, it puts the weight towards the back on acceleration and stuff, I just couldn't get over it. And I was so forgiven. You know, the first three or four times that I had big moments, eyes shut, braced, ready for the big accident, mm-hmm. and then realizing we're still on the road and going on. Uh, obviously, I found where the limit was and then was over it again. Anyway, but... Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't say I really jailed with that car, but it was a good car. And um, mm. I, as I say, I did six or seven rallies and I did the the Circuit of Islands, was it 2002? There's a picture up here somewhere
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the year. Yeah, 2002. Yes. Um, and that was the last year that they let uh, escorts, do, uh, you know, Mark IIs do we, the full, full international, international yeah. uh, instead, of, instead of a national section. Mm-hmm. uh i'll never forget because it was three full days and it was it was three tight full days you know uh-huh. and it was the first time on tarmac it was the first time um doing anything over a one day rally or, or attempting anything over one day rally and i uh-huh. remember you know the talk on the street was what are you thinking kelly <laughs> you can't get to the end of a 40 stage mile forest and you're going to go out and do 300 odd mile around the roads <laughs> like what are you thinking but we made it, we done it, and we finished third in our class, and I never was as happy to get to the end of a rally. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it was the first time we ever did a racky, uh, and it was joke, mm-hmm. beyond joke of doing a racky. you know. But, no, it was, it was good. So, uh, But I always hankered. I thought I thought this rear-wheel drive thing was, was different, and, and I just, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just, I wanted back to front-wheel drive, and I, yes, I went, and then I traded in to Kieran Graffin against a, a fairly club-spec F2 Escort, uh-huh. Uh huh. Mark V escort, which would have been probably one of the first of the F twos. Uh, Gordon's Grim or is it Spinner a Grim Spinner? Good by, Spooner uh, Spinner, isn't it? Yep. Uh-huh. GSE car. Yeah. Uh, all stamped on the shell, and everything. You know, the car had a bit of history. It was a good, good car mm-hmm. too. It, it had a standard plenum on it, so it wasn't a, that powerful. That quaff six speeds, six speed sequential so was no readout. They didn't come with a readout. <laughs> uh, so you had to count what to see what gear you're in. You're in. <laughs> a bloody disaster. <laughs> but I I got a I, I eventually got the gearbox modified and got that on clear and did a few rallies. But she was she was a killing machine. Jesus tried to kill you everything you got into her because really? mm-hmm. she now led nor trap I don't know what was wrong with her. I tried everything with a bitch and uh-huh. um, eventually put her in a ball in the bushwhacker, had to reshell her, um, had her immaculate and I thought right, let's take you. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tame you, you bitch. And um we're going to do some rally, and I took her for a run down the road and nearly wiped out a telegraph pole on the friggin' road. Yes. And I thought, You are for the high road. And uh-huh. I advertised her, and she was sold two days later. So I officially, that's when I officially retired from rally. LA. <laughs> <laughs> that was a roughly 2003 ish. Yes. And I thought, That's it, enough. I quit, handed uh-huh. Mrs. Kelly the money, and said, Put that, pay some of the mortgage, da 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 da. That's us finished. Yes. And then. I think it was 11 or 12 days later, i seen a yellow Mark II advertised for sale at fairly humble money with a cosy, normally normally for the cosy in it, and uh, went on my hands and knees back to Mrs. Kelly and said, please, can I have my money back, please? <laughs> so she hadn't even banked it. She knew what was going to happen. <laughs> um, that was the saviour. That escort was the saviour. That was a very basic car, but just, you, it, you could just know what it was going to do. And... Uh-huh. That's when I really fell in love with Mark II Eskerts. Yes. That was the beginning of the affair. <laughs> the
0: beginning of the end. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's funny, I was chatting to Kenny McKinstry last year, and of all the cars he's driven, the one car that he would love to have back again was his Kipkara. The F2 Eskerts. The F2 Car, yeah. yeah. yes. Yeah. Right. I couldn't believe that. You know, like, you think right. that he's drove all these different world cars and Group A cars, yeah. never knows, you know. But.
1: It's probably the noise more than anything. I would yeah. imagine because I, I always say the people the noise. The noise for me is what 90% of rallying is all about. Yes. The noise and the mm-hmm. smell never mind the speed
0: Yes,
1: and all that there. The noise and the smell is unreal and it's, it's a pity that it's a pity in lots of ways that there's no sound tests at rallies where they're trying to make them as quiet and as tame as possible.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, and you know no disrespect to the group N cars they don't sound that aggressive. No. Uh, you know as I found in the Couple of rallies I did in them. They're much mm-hmm. more fun inside than they look like outside. Just a, I think if a, an Evo sounded like a BDA, they would be some car.
0: Uh-huh. Like <laughs> you know they're sitting taking over in the in service or something. They sound quite aggressive, but then yeah, about yeah. on the stage and they sound like nothing. You know, it goes flat. It goes flat. It's, uh-huh. it's funny, you know,
1: because I think the noise as a safety thing. I think there should be more noise because unfortunately mm-hmm. there's been a few fatalities in rallies over the years where spectators haven't heard the next car coming. Yes. Trying to run you know, down the road. Uh-huh. I stepped out to see what's come past, and next thing, bang! They're nipped off. So uh-huh. I know back uh, eight or nine years ago, we were doing a rally. I'm not going to a whole lot of details, but there had been a fatality in the rally before, and there were. I think I was fifth in the road or something, yeah. and uh, actually asked me to go first in the road, purely to or wake the up the spectators and let them know we were coming. Uh-huh. And I ended up running first in the road in front of twenty or two S12Bs begging them not to catch me in the rain yes. because just purely because they wanted the noise to wake up the spectators and say listen the rally started here get uh-huh. it get yourselves together yes. and I, you know i could understand that was a good idea mm-hmm. uh, but in the south they don't worry too much about the noise but in the north you know we get turned mm-hmm. down regular because we're too loud
0: uh-huh. unfortunately yeah <laughs> we're
1: too much <laughs> we're too much fun kid. <laughs>
0: And you're, you, you just alluded there to, you, had, you know, you had a couple of runs out in the Evos, you done the candidate events for Rally Ireland and yeah, the don't, Evo... talk about, don't talk about the war. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> did, did it not go well?
1: <laughs> no, it was a com thing. Um, me and Liam, uh, brother Liam Brennan, um, we, we've done a lot of rallying together and we sort of got into the habit of, of once a year doing something really different. Uh, just. You know to be different, uh, because you do a lot of rallying and, and it's just gonna be the same sameness a lot of the time. So, Rally Ireland came up and the candidate event, we, we never knew if it was ever going to happen again. And I thought, Jesus, wouldn't it be great to be involved? And we, we tried to sneak our way in an escort to even double or something, but uh, non allocated cars were not going to be let in, and that was uh-huh. it. And I could sort of understand that too. Yes, we didn't, they didn't want us stealing the show, basically. <laughs> so, uh, Connor and my brother Connor had this. Kawasaki puce green evo 5 at the time the most group n Evil ever you've seen and uh i thought jesus you know what maybe we should get a Lena of the Evil. <laughs> 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 don't worry there was no higher deal done. Was, is your Evil doing anything next weekend no it's not nice, I'm taking nice. <laughs> so me and liam rocked up this lego and did the rocky and we had no idea what was one end from mm-hmm. the other and we got uh Tarmac. There was. You remember the first day was tarmac. Second day was gravel. Yes. Uh-huh. On that rally, and I didn't really care about the tarmac. I just wanted to know what these things were like on gravel. You know what the traction was like. Uh-huh. So uh, we, there was flex suspension in there, and Robbie McGurk uh, was good enough to give us a tarmac setup and a gravel setup. Uh-huh. Now somewhere between the jigs and the reels we reversed that. <laughs> so we had the gravel setting for the tarmac, and the tarmac set for the gravel. <laughs> which probably wasn't a great idea either oh. and we had uh i throw together our tires and one thing in the other and i just wanted to get through the tarmac day to get to the gravel and i thought right do not have stupid on the first day get through the first day and then have your fun on the gravel and that's the way it laid out but it it was it we i really enjoyed it um uh, the evo was a revelation it was so much more fun than i was expecting even on tarmac it was great yes. fun um It had nowhere near the brakes it needed, and it had just an ordinary synchro box, and there was no synchro in fifth gear, so we didn't have fifth gear a lot of the weekend. But um, we had a great weekend, uh, and we eventually got to the gravel, and I didn't care then what happened as long as I got to the gravel. And I'll never forget, we set up on the start line of the first stage like two goms getting the countdown and then dropped the clutch. And we were at the first corner before Liam got out the note because at the mark two, you sat on the start line for five or six
0: seconds, (laughs) travelling.
1: So you had plenty of time. But we were straight at the first corner. And by Jesus, did we get a wake-up call. We, two of us were sore next. You know, because uh-huh. we were just sitting up like two goms. Uh-huh. And that was just an old Evo. Like, it was nothing special. But oh. we, had a great, we had a great run. We were running second group end at one stage. Um, Your yeah, boy, Daniel Carlson, the superstar, oh, yes. was there at the time. Uh-huh. And we were starting to get really competitive against him. Now, in fairness, I, I, I knew some M stages from the Lakelands. Uh-huh. But uh, we were... It was all very respectable until I put her off and <laughs> usual and, yes. and made a mess and actually got the stage cancelled and I oh, just caused a whole fucking handling. <laughs> but um, so it cost me a shitload of money to get out of that because bonnets for evils are not cheap. No, <laughs> <it turns out>. <laughs> <laughs> I swore never again. But then there was always another game. There's
0: <laughs> there's always another the game. Yes. <laughs> and then 2008. Um, just was looking at your results and all. You want then be. B-R-T-D-A, over to the British Championship. and You yes, yes. strung it together and come out with a championship that year. And that, that right. was a yeah. highly competitive yeah. year, you know.
1: It was. We had, we had a great year. Um, we had, we'd been having good results in the, in the Irish Gravel Championship, and we'd won it twice. And we thought, right, for 2008, maybe we'll go do something different. And I had nothing specifically in mind. I we was just thinking of something different. And uh, Adrian Hamilton, Seamus O'Connell, the rest of the Reindeers, uh, I think mm-hmm. Vivian Hamill was in the middle of a two. Yeah. Ryan uh, Barrett, said, two, I Ryan only done one or two, two I think, towards the end of the year three. now. Uh-huh. He may have been getting himself shaped up for a, a go at it in 2009. I can't right. remember, but yeah. I only remember him at a couple of them. Uh-huh. But um we, we decided, we talked up between ourselves and thought, geez, you know what, Wait, don't we go over and do that? You know, the big Welsh forest and stuff and the, these motorways I have over there. And uh, oh, it was a revelation now, again. A lot of people laughed at me thinking, why the hell are you going over there? You're going to have a long way to sail back a road <laughs> off, Esker. But uh, we had a great run. Uh, and we picked up wins on four or five of the rounds. We had one blot on the Woodpecker, which is probably one of the best rallies of the of the, of the whole season. And uh, put her upside down on stage two. Just a really... We're, uh, it was a really unlucky thing because it was a very, very fast. Uh, sort of like a, a, um, a, a small small nip on the stage you would say like a, a left fast left right and there was an awful amount of loose gravel on it that wasn't on the Rocky DVD I don't know if they'd regraded it or what they'd done with it mm-hmm. but I came in three years too high for the surface that was there and uh, thought I away wave it, clapped the bank and I just rolled her in a barrel down the road made an awful mess of the car mm-hmm. but uh, usual story we got her home and got her turned around really quick for the final round in three weeks and uh won the two with eight in the final round and won the championship. it was mm-hmm. a big relief after all the
0: effort we Yeah, like I and mean, like that was some achievement. Like as you say, that you all the Irish guys over and then all the, yeah. the British guys no, too. Like it was yeah. some achievement your first time going over to most of them events and whatever as well too, you know.
1: Well to be fair, Adrian and, and uh and Seamus especially the two lads were really competitive as well as they always are, uh-huh. no matter where they go. Yes. Uh, but they were unlucky that that, you know, some of them had half shaft failures and bits and pieces and nod off and it just didn't come together for them and sort of by court this way through the season, there was no chance of, of, of winning anything, and uh, I think they even came to a round or two to more or less support me and to try and, and keep me going. And then the last couple of rounds were on our own, but um, it was great. It was great having them there too because you had somebody to fall back on, even service crews and bits and pieces. You know, yeah. If one of us didn't have the part, the other one had, and uh-huh. to, not knocking people over the water. But there's not a lot of that camaraderie that you get at home here. And uh-huh. and you know, I found it out in the last couple of rounds that if you needed something. You just really weren't going to go and ask for it. No. You, know, you had to know. You had to know who who, who was who and what was what, and mm-hmm. you sort of had to have everything with you to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, things might have changed now, but just back then it just wasn't as simple. Um, but it was great having them lads there that time, which is we had some laughs, so or some crack, mm-hmm. and even even trying to get to the boat sometime. And sometimes there was more speed used getting to the boat than there was <laughs> doing it. <Alex. laughs> I often, often, often wanted to go back. Uh, just about that time we were thinking, right, next year we'll go and do this again, but. Ferry, the ferry prices nearly doubled over right. the winter, and uh, I thought, right, we'll leave it for a year. Leave it this season, and we'll see next season, and, and just it never happened again. But uh-huh. you know, and in, in later years, when the well, as we're at later years, <laughs> when <laughs> when a when a BDA maybe gets conjured up with this out of this garage, or a BDG, we'll maybe take out of a mile off with them for us over there.
0: Uh-huh. that's something you'd like to go back to. You enjoyed it so much. I, I mean, you know, so. go
1: back, go back to me, Rich. Uh-huh. I've always said, as uh, you know, as gravel first and foremost. I, I enjoy my tarmac. Don't get uh-huh. me wrong, but. Gravel is where the real, real, real bosses. Yeah,
0: you're the jungle bunny still at heart. And that's Aye, at that heart,
1: at heart mm-hmm. always will be.
0: And 2008 too, uh, McRae stages, the, the tribute year. You oh, Jesus,
1: over. yeah.
0: Yeah, Basically to part of that as that's, well. That's
1: probably one of the rallies that will live with me forever. And uh, I made a heartache of it. But the actual atmosphere and everything, and then the, Jesus, the the, the lineup. I'll, I'll never forget uh, stage one, stage one. Was no spectator access, or so whatever way it worked, and maybe in a loop or something. And there was no spectator access, and there was virtually no spectators on it. And we would used uh, suppliers' notes over there, not not Paterson's, and uh, they were as far out as Lighthouse. It was just brutal. There was one stage at one point. The stage one, we are in tears. Hilarious because we actually thought we'd went off the stage and we were heading into a forest that never had been used before, because there was no junctions, there was no spectators, there was no arrows. We genuinely never were as glad to see the end of a stage and realise that we had completed the stage. It was that, that's how far out we were. So getting to the end of the first stage was was immense. (laughs) Our time time was okay. We had a decent time in the first stage. It wasn't set in the world like, but it was a decent enough time. So I thought, that's right, we got through that. We've maybe got a rough idea of what these notes are doing. You know, don't trust them, just (laughs) so we're in stage two. And as we were driving up stage two, about, I don't know, half a mile from stage two, uh, Liam, he says to me, he says, "Jesus, brother," he says, "Look at the amount of cars in that field." And I says, "Forget about that field. Look at this field over here." And I'm not calling you, Kevin. There was hundreds of cars, hundreds of cars, and we thought we're, we're we're nearly half a mile from the stage. And as we drove up to the stage, there was literally thousands of people walking in, which is obviously a, a, a culmination of it been the McRae stage the a tribu- tribute rally. Uh-huh. Harry Vatman was there. Chris Meek was there. You know. Uh, I think we well, was Stig there, and there was a load of them fellas there. All the guard, all the... Yeah, and, uh-huh. yep. and uh, just a, a load of lads, and it was that and the first stage not being a, no spectators allowed. Uh-huh. Everybody went to the second stage. I think it was only five or six stages in the rally, you know? Uh-huh. But the crowds were unbelievable, and Brennan knows me like he knows his brother, and he, he, we, set, we got up on the start line, he says, now, Kelly, he says, do not look at this crowd. Because it was literally like doing Monte Carlo, and they were hanging off the, edge of, like the 19, edge of the road. Yeah. Nineteen eighty-five or something. Yeah. it was a line of people for about two miles into the stage, as far as they could get into the stage. He says, "You listen to me and do not, do not look at these people." Well, I never heard a word until we were lying in the shot corner. Those. <laughs> Forgot about I. I was already battling for three corners, but the fourth <laughs> corner was not, and that was about six hundred yards <laughs> into the stage. <laughs> So I would get off amazingly. Like we landed on our nose down this big deep shock, but there was so many people there that just lifted her out right onto the road. And we only lost, we lost less than a minute, mm-hmm. and just bent the front spoiler. But we got out of the stage, and then we we tipped on the rest of the day. And I can't even remember where we finished. We did finish, and we 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 had a sort of maybe in the top six or seven two wheel drives or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe it was maybe it was top ten. I can't remember, but the a may, may Biden saw. I remember that rally apart from that stage where all the spectators and, and you know, rally legends now is the only thing that ever compares to that was crowds. Uh-huh. But my abiding memory was yeah, a road section, believe it or not, where right. we it was getting dark in the evening and we're heading to the last stage and was just starting to drop down a wee bit. And uh, we went through up over a big hill down and then we we're down through this big valley and you could see the road sort of lead away out ahead of you and there was a line of escorts. You Know there was 20 escorts, maybe more, uh-huh. and most of them had their side lights on. Uh, just that time of the evening, and you could see Ari Vatman and the, 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 the embassy Rothman's car, yes. the Rothman's car at the front. And you go down through the list of you know the of superstars, and then I come to us and I thought, holy, shit, somebody punched me. You know, <laughs> are we actually driving in this queue of cars? Are we actually here? Uh-huh. So now that, that that that's a funny thing, but that's that's a memory of all That was
0: special to be there, yeah,
1: so. very special, very
0: special. Mm-hmm. And then two thousand nine, Bibby Blue landed in the street.
1: Aye, Baby Blue landed. Um, <laughs> the 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 white escort that we we called Tarzan had been had been really good to me, and she'd been uh-huh. through lots of wars, but she'd been a really really good car to me. Um, with a uh, mountain jur attack and a two liter mountain jur attack, and I gave her a full reprep for the new season coming up to Christmas, and she had all new bushes and uh, spherical joints and gearbox got a recon and. Kiara was in real good shape, clutches and everything. She was in real good shape to go rallying. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, a mate of mine, Paul Hughes, sprung me and he said, listen, I'm selling my escort. And he'd only built it a couple of years before. And it sort of, I'd helped him a lot on what's back, you know, what to put in it and what to do. And it was Mm. easy spending his money. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I knew she was a really, really good Kiara. And he sort of gave me first refusal. And... uh, It's the first time I got into serious debt over buying a rally car. Uh, You know, just bridging that bit between buying the blue car and getting the white car sold. Uh And luckily, one man, I advertised the white car and one man rang me, a a New Zealander that lived in London, uh, who was uh, the genuinest man I've ever come across. And uh, he arrived over, he flew over and he bought the car and I delivered it to his door that night. Me and him drove through the night to London uh, because he gave me the full asking price. So I gave him delivery. Mm-hmm. Free, because he didn't even have a trailer. He was starting to rally at forty-five years of age, mm-hmm. and and he only he only sold her recently. That's two thousand and eight. End of two thousand eight, mm-hmm. uh, and he was in touch for years and years afterwards. But anyway, um, now the baby blue arrived, and first thing I want to do was change the colour. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to paint her white right away because white is such a natural, easy background and easy for sponsors' logos, and nothing mm-hmm. clashes with white. Essentially, yeah. you know, uh-huh. white works for everything. And it's easy to touch up on everything with brushes when you're doing quick repairs between rallies. So my idea was to paint her white. And Connor at the time did all my body work. And I says, right, first thing I'll do is slip this down, get painted white. And he says, well, listen, you're going to write it off soon. You know me? So just do a rally or two, write it off, then we'll paint it white. There's no point in painting it white, writing it off, painting it white again. And I thought, you know, he's probably right. Yes. But for some reason, it took me nearly a year to write it off. And uh, by that time, Baby Blue had stuck. Yes, and I'm and I'm and I'm stuck with it since The legend was born. <laughs> ah, yeah. Liam, Liam, Liam rocked up and just he it was Liam her and he says, "Ah, baby blue," uh-huh. and that's as simple as that was. Kev, it just uh-huh. stuck.
0: and was uh, no great thought went into it or there no was zero thought. Uh-huh. It was zero thought.
1: It's become baby blue, uh-huh. uh, and, and it's, it's stuck sense. But a uh, good thing is it's easy touched up as well. The brush can uh-huh. be hidden really well when you're <laughs> touching her up. So
0: yeah.
1: and I, bu- I buy the paint in twenty-five litre drums, so it's. Uh, there's always there's always five or ten leaders sitting the <laughs> There's
0: some spare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's always ten Two thousand and nine then, uh West Cork and Donegal was attempted for the first time. Um I know yeah. you said you'd done a, a small bit of tarmite rallying before, but this was kinda going up a league. How did how did that come about? Um, and how did you get on with it?
1: Well the West Cork thing uh came at as first and it was it was a last minute thing. I had no intentions. Uh, we were in the middle of, or starting off last March time, St. Paddy's weekend, we'd done a couple of gravel rounds. And I think it was Carrick and Sure a week before West Cork, uh, we had a small tree. Now, it was only a small tree. Uh, <laughs> but uh, made a wee bit of a mess of the front of her, nothing serious. But then another competitor hit us up the ass. So the back of her was flattened and the front of her was flattened. So I was up with Connors. Uh, it had been two weeks before West Cork actually, because the following weekend we are up at Corners and we had the back end cut out of our whole quarter and back panel and the front of it rightly squared up. and Liam rung me. And uh, me and Liam don't really ring each other much between rallies. Uh, we, we talk that much at rallies. Uh-huh. We I'm don't leave each other it. alone. But <laughs> not right. There's something wrong with what he wants. So he rang me and he says, Listen, um, you know I'm doing West Cork with Fergus Romero. And I says, Aye. He says, Listen, he's had a pull at the rally. I can't remember why Whether it was a car problem or work or whatever it was. I says, "Ah, oh, See, that's a pity. Your home rally, it's pity. But what are you ring me for? And he says, Well listen, you know, do you want to do the rally? And I says, Why is he gonna give us his car? He says, no, he's not gonna give you his car. But he says, you know, baby blue, come down to the rally. He says, Baby blue, do you wanna see a picture of what baby blue looks like right now? And you're talking about rallying next weekend with a two-day Iraqi before it. So I says, Not a bloody chance. is oh, up. So I got off the phone and me and Connor talked for ten minutes and then I rung Liam back and I said, <laughs> We'll be there, we'll be there, so that was as quick as that arrived, so got her in till, uh, got her fixed and painted and there wasn't much logos on her, got her down the road, did the Iraqi, which again is a rarity for me to do Iraqi, it, it was uh, just driving through and trying to stay awake uh, for the Iraqi, it, it took a long time for me to stay alert in, her, in Iraqi, but um, the stages down there are so fast um i didn't realize very fast until we headed off into the first stage and jesus it scared the living out of me uh we were sixth gear a lot of the time mm-hmm. and everything everything comes at you so much faster on tarmac um we had a load of tires that had came with the car you know a year earlier nearly and they were all being used and i hadn't even lowered her she's still gravel height uh, so we're wallowing around and doing so we started changing things during the day and getting it a wee bit more stable and one thing at all and we went all right. You know, we had a good enough mm-hmm. first day and, and and I started getting used to the speed because I remember going to the first service Liam says, well, what do you think? He says, it's unreal, isn't it? And I said, Liam, I want to go home. <laughs> what? what's wrong with you? I said, I am scared shitless. <laughs> I said, we're on the limiter in sixth gear. You know, we were a bit low geared, we are in gravel gear. Mm-hmm. But I said, we're on the limiter in sixth gear a lot of the states. This is not wise. I'm just waiting for a square top here and me in sixth gear. So, at, at, at I got acclimatised as the day went on, and then we went into day two. And I remember, God rest him, Manus Kelly was running right in front of us. Uh for some reason we ended up at the end of the first day, we were a third two-wheel drive behind Manus and Phil Collins, mm-hmm. uh in the two Bellingtons. And what I, the two litre geo attacking her at the time. Uh so real happy with that. Jesus over the moon. It was the first time I met Manus Kelly, and Jesus mm-hmm. he he took us under our wing basically and, and gave us a bit of heads up about tires and stuff, and you know he taught me enough in that first day of rallying to basically get me started and uh-huh. give me that drug and Phil Collins in fairness to him you know he just felt sorry for us these two clappers coming from the forest with the car sitting three inches higher than any other car in the place <laughs> uh, <laughs> he asked me did we not have a Jack or did he just crawl underneath the way <laughs> to <laughs> Uh <laughs> but them's memories and of the things that's how you get to make friends but uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: Manus then slid off somewhere and I can't remember. I think we finished fourth overall or something. We had a real good rally anyway. And just, uh-huh. I just I just thought myself, maybe we'll do more of this tarmac crack, but it was an hour or two or three years before we did that sort of half series.
0: Yes. uh uh-huh. cause then like in 2011, I you started dabbling wee bit more in tar. and you finished yeah. you were second in the national championship just behind Wesley. Yeah. And uh-huh. and Lauren appeared in the scene then and started doing the videos around about that time and all as well.
1: That's right. That's right. Up until that, I'm sure sort of, I was heading off to the rallies on my own. Uh, Lauren and our younger brother, Jack. Uh, Rosemary was looking after them all the time, you know, and you come home and tell them all these big, tall stories. And I could tell them how fast it was. And they didn't know <laughs> it, uh, it, it goes to show you the difference, you know, nowadays. You, you, you don't have to uh, nearly ring anybody and tell them you're off. They know they've seen it on video or yes. whatever. But, uh, you know, I've I've said to you before, I've rung her from the back of an ambulance before and said, no, we're grand. We just let off into the shock and the friggin' <laughs> thing's completely rode off. And I myself. <laughs> but nowadays you don't get away with that. But no, it's about that time. And, you know, they were getting older and, uh, Lauren, Lauren was old enough then to start coming to rallies and, uh, she'd been popping to get to rallies for a, for a while, but I was always weary just with spectators and stuff. And just, you know, just always weary, you know, that we were going to be safe enough. And, uh, our good friend, Pat Rafferty, God rest the man, is dead. I think it's three years last week. And uh, he volunteered, asked him, and he volunteered. Basically, no problem. He says, I look after your family. So, Rosemary and Lauren, uh, Jack has no real interest in the rally. He, <laughs> he knows it's stupid. Uh, so, they came to their rallies, and they had a whale of a time. That, you know, the three of them used to go around different yes. stages. and they, they used to get, you know, sometimes they would get to all every stage that day. You know, it was unreal, I remember... Uh-huh. I can't remember, it was a dog leap or bushwhacker or something. It was an eighth stage rally. And uh, came in, came, finished the rally, and we're heading up the road, and Lauren says, I have footage from all nine stages. And I says, Lauren, there was nine stages in the rally. She says, we've seen nine times. I says, you couldn't have There was eighth stages in the rally. nobody says, Pat knew a shortcut, and we got to the beginning of stage six, and the mid-section of stage 6 That got us two places in the one stage.
0: Jesus, brilliant. So,
1: Pat was unreal. Pat was uh-huh. unreal, but it was a real... Um, it, it was comforting to me to know that they were safe and sound. You know, Pat, Pat had a real way about him, and knew and was always going well with Marshalls. And always, always did what he was told. But Marshalls would let him into a place where nobody else would be allowed uh-huh. to stand up there, uh, you know, just for for various reasons. And. Yeah. You know they were always safe and always sound, and it was great to have them there. And that's something I'll, I'll always thank them for.
0: I you never had to. You never had to think about them through the day. That you knew uh, they were. That was sort of thing. Uh,
1: my one brain cell could be occupied doing what I was doing and not <laughs> worrying about somebody else.
0: <laughs> so, two thousand and twelve then come around, and you want two point five. Um, yeah. You know, was this just wanting more power all the time, or
1: aye? It was. It was a, a couple of things. Um, Having done the 2011 season on tarmac and a few gravel ones, I was running a two-liter two-liter JRE Voxel,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I struck up a good relationship with uh, JRE at the time, and uh, it was a really good, powerful, reliable engine, and uh, it was due for a refresh, going into 2012, and we'd, we'd won the, the Class 13, and we'd almost, we'd, we'd been within a point or two of Wesley, and I just told myself, you know, I wonder what it would be like with a bit extra. And we talked to to Jerry and he was developing the 2.5 Voxel and there weren't only one or two of them about and they weren't doing much. And he asked me, you know, are you going to do many rallies in 2012? And I said, just listen, we'll do 12 to 15 rallies. And he says, right, you're my man. So we, we we struck an unbelievable deal mm-hmm. and he got the tutor back and I got a 2.5 and uh, put it into her and took her for a cut down the road with no mapping done or anything, just the, just the dino map. And immediately I went, holy shit. It just, it. it's a funny thing. Any car that has ever turned me on, my left leg shakes. Right. And, and there's like a pulse or a heartbeat at the back of my kneecap.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's when I know this is an article. And that's what the millington does now to me. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time in a long time that I had that, that feeling. Even from back in the Beatle days with Alfonson. Yes. And the first time I put the Z-Tac into the Fiesta, that feeling come and see when I got that feeling I went oh shit we are if I can keep this thing in the road this is the business mm-hmm. so had to sort a few things in the car just the gear and how to be up her and a few things and I sort of took a stab at what the gear should be and we did all that and we the first rally of the season was a double header it was uh, 5 Town Forest on the Saturday and Burr Tarmac which was the first round of the national championship on the Sunday mm-hmm. and we just had a weekend that you could not replicate again we finished 7th overall and first two wheel drive in both rallies and she had a wash in between the two rallies and, and, and lowered an inch and stiffened up, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, bolted a different wheels on her. Uh, <laughs> so that was the first baptism in the 2.5 in 2012. And I probably said to you before, Kev, 2012 was one of them years where I could literally do no wrong.
0: Yes.
1: No wrong whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing, everything i done... Everything I touched turned to gold. I could literally have slapped on the white lane in the motorway, and nobody would have driven over me. It was, it was one of one of them things. Uh-huh. So, 2012, we did. We ended up doing 22 rallies. I think it was in 2012, Brilliant. and uh, we had we had we'd signed up for every championship that we had arrived at a rally to because some rallies you go and do for a specific championship. Because I'd started off to basically do the national championship, national tarmac championship. Try and try and, and go two points better than we had the year before. And uh, we ended up entering, in, I think it was the East stages, or southwest stages, east stages probably. And one of them two. And there was a couple of arms. We ended up winning four championships that year.
0: That's
1: brilliant. Uh, and could do no wrong. It's literally the last championship we won was in the last rally in Banna Beach. And we were in a field twice and we just could do no wrong you know it just we got out of the field and got going again and uh, all our competitors stopped by the wayside and we ended up at the top again and it's just uh-huh. just you think jesus talk about a pair of jammy bastards
0: <laughs> but it works
1: <laughs> i listen if it's for you it's for you you know uh-huh. i'm not a, i'm not a very superstitious man by any reason but if you haven't got a bit of luck uh, you're wasting mm-hmm. your time
0: yes uh then 2014 the travels finally started why, Hi. How, yeah. how, how why how did it come about? I, in I'm
1: still asking myself that question. And <laughs> um, it, well, it's all down to Lauren. Obviously, uh, was starting to do social media, but she was studying media at college. And anytime she had to to do um, a project or or create something, you know, usually it was pick your subject, and it was ninety percent of the time it was rallying. <laughs> so. She, we always had her own in-car camera, and we had a few GoPros about. And she would, she would bolt these things on different places in the car. And half the time, I didn't even know they were there. And she would scurry away with them, and nothing would be said. And she'd do her project, and she'd get her marks, and that was great. And then uh, she stuck one on YouTube one time, and uh, again, I didn't pass much remarks. And then different times, she'd be saying, "Geez, you know, there's a thousand people have viewed that, and da 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 da. Afraid, thousand people want to watch that shit." And <laughs> This went on and went on. Then there was 100,000 of the feud and it was getting kind of out of hand. But uh, it was similar to me in the background. I was passing not much remarks on it, but going, winding the clock back again then to 2011, I think it was, um, we went to Jamaica to watch their rally. We'd got a sort of an invite uh, through Glenn Campbell up in Anthem, uh had a we maker Kit car and him and uh, Al Mackay took a WRC Anglia. To oh, Jamaica, yeah. uh-huh. they do they do Barbados regular them lads, and uh, Jamaica had sort of collared them that time to come and do their eyes. So anyway, there was a free tickets, and I knew that if I took this free ticket, Mrs Kelly would have a coronary. So there had to be two free tickets. So the two of us went to Jamaica, uh, but it turned out I was the mechanic. A <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> working holiday. <laughs> as a friend of mine always says, "There's no such thing as a free lunch." No. <laughs> So I spent the whole week trying to get an Anglia and a Maker to run properly and a dodgy paddle and one thing and other. There's a whole pantomime, but anyway, long story short, uh, we bumped into uh, a, a group from Trinidad that run the rally in Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, we had we had sort of shared contacts and swapped contacts and, and not really passed much remarks. But then they came on to us uh, to do their their rally in 2014, and. I knew the names, and I knew the faces of the two guys. And it was one of them things, right? Go and get a map and see where Trinidad is. And me being a literate plunker that I am, I thought it was near Africa somewhere, but it turns out it's just off the coast of South America. So, right, Google that place and see how far it is and how hard it is to get there. And We put some figures together, and it turned out that up till sort of five years before that, it had been under martial law. And I thought, this is not the wisest thing to do. This is my pension plan, baby blue, that I'm going to send to uh, mm-hmm. this company over there. So, anyway, long story short, we took a leap of faith. And we sent the car, and it was the best thing we've ever done. Um, the, the club looked after us fierce well and gave us an unbelievable package to leave it that was cheaper than going to Donegal for the weekend.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, we went there and made friends for life, basically, and had a fantastic rally. The, they supplied a co-driver. Lauren hadn't got to the age of co-driver at that point. And... Uh, God help him. Uh, <laughs> he was hands down the best cool driver in the in that area. You know, No doubt about it. He was, he was drafted in from Jamaica to do the cool driving for me. And he had won Barbados and Jamaica, I don't know, 10 times with different drivers. He was a man. But he hadn't realized that I had never ever seen them stages before and I was driving 100% to the pace notes. And generally, Trinidad, Jamaica, Barbados all have a set of stages. And they use them all year, every year. And the only difference is sometimes they start at the north and go south, and sometimes they start at the south and go north. So it was a bit of a culture shock for him to realise that I was driving to these notes. So quickly, he started to take it very serious. And we had a great run, and again, a friend for life. Um, And we finished fifth overall on first two-wheel drive, and just made some amazing friends, and then got an invite to go back and do it in 15, and uh, bring more Irishmen. So Shane McGeerr came in the Starlet's, and Paul Fitzgerald from Cork took his Mark II escort, mm-hmm. his Blue Escort, his 1600 Escort, and it was just we keep talking about that uh, that voyage in 2015, the three the three crews and the families mm-hmm. and the crack that we had, and learning the Trinidads how to speak Irish lingo and what a Hanlon <laughs> what a, hon- <laughs> what a hon- <laughs> is, the various degrees of a Hanlon. Ojus Ojus wild whale and all that kind of crack, and ah uh, uh, just it was it it was the biggest laugh I've ever had was my clothes on it was just
0: unbelievable <laughs> yes unbelievable
1: uh, I so that, that was that, that was the start of
0: it uh, I remember Jared telling me the time Jard was over for Donegal yeah. and the, the the nightclub I think it was the first years were over the prize giving the nightclub <laughs> <laughs> all these drunk uh, tred, uh, <laughs> and the one Irish man in the middle of it all oh, not drunk took the car <laughs> into the middle of it <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stone Cold Sober and then Mark Leicester uh, sat in the middle of the dance floor with red black tires <laughs> I think we melted two black patches in the middle of the dance floor and then the 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 riot squad arrived <laughs> what, what what had happened was uh the top five cars were to be parked at the front of the nightclub who were the main sponsors for the rally mm-hmm. and uh i had arrived late because we'd had that much crack at the finish ramp we'd, we'd been hanging around for ages so i arrived late in the way, and there was no parking space in the top five so i just drove around the back and parked up and went in and uh then the the coc uh Robbie Cadys, uh, who's a complete gentleman, he says, listen, there's no baby blue in the front. That's not going to go down here. You have to get your carriage to the front. So they made space and I drove around and drove in and then I was pointing in the ways. Now you have to turn around and be pointing out the way the same as the rest of them. There was 10 people there. So I thought, right, we'll reverse out onto this dual carriageway nice and gently and turn around. But by the time I reversed out, there was like 300 people there. <laughs> so they donuts had to start. Yeah. So they stopped the traffic on this dual carriageway. And... Frank, the Irish man, the only sober man and sound out at the time, started doing donuts to the point where there was a Porsche Cayenne sitting in the traffic, and I lost sight of it on the, maybe the fourth donut. And I thought, I'm bound. As the donuts kept going and the smoke rizz, I couldn't see anything. I thought, I'm bound to be in close to this Porsche Cayenne. So anyway, I got reversed. I went to reverse back in again, but next thing, I was, there was doors opened, and I ended up straight in the middle of the nightclub uh, with the blue smoke flying out of the back of her and her sitting, melting herself to the floor. <laughs> but about 20 minutes later, the smoke was still drifting into the air and the riot squad arrived because they'd been reported that this whole hand was gone on the jail way. <laughs> and downtown's around that. So... Uh, they and right It was like someone you see on TV, it was someone you see in, the, in, in Mexican drug lords or something. Yes. These, this dude arrived in with the full tassels on his shoulders and a wrap of medals across his chest and flanked by three guards with uh, riot gear on them and uh, the big shields and buttons and everything. And I thought, holy shit. So Robbie, he went over and interviewed them, and uh, then they started pointing at me because I was the only sort of very pale person there. <laughs> And it wasn't hard to guess it was that escort that the smoke was still raising out of the Donado. <laughs> so I thought, right, this is it. We're going to have an excitation CD and we're going to get bit more over rubber pipe and all kinds <laughs> of things are going to happen. But uh, all of a sudden, Robbie was shaking hands with him and he put something in his breast pocket and everybody turned around and left. Oh, <laughs> and
0: everybody was, was happy.
1: That, that was that. That was that. But it, uh, the, in our, there's like some memories of all them things, but. We it was the first time we had sold any or took any merchandise to anywhere or, or, or tried to sell stuff, and we just had these loads of white T-shirts with Kelly motorsport printed on them. I can't remember what was on them, but we had a rip of them anyway, the and, and, and people had been buying them left, right, centre. It was great, and was covering the fuel bowl really for the rally. So, mm-hmm. um, next thing, uh, somebody asked about T-shirts, and and Rosemary ran this 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 carrier bag, you know, big carrier bag full of T-shirts, and sat them on the bottom of the car in the middle of the club, and that was fine. Um, it was a very late night. But eventually I got Baby Blue out of there and, and away the way home at three o'clock in the morning. And, and next morning we're getting gathered up. And Ruthie says, uh, Did you sell any of the t shirts? And I says, Well, I don't know. There's none of them left. You must have sold them. <laughs> and she says, I didn't sell a t shirt. She says, Where are the t shirts? She says, There had to be 100 t shirts there. And I says, Well, I think the bag's lying in the car. So out in the bag was empty. But the car was full of 10 or 100 trinity note dollars. $100 is like a tenner. Right. 10 pound. the car was following and when she counted them out every t-shirt was paid for I'm
0: not brilliant, every t-shirt was paid
1: for so there was me worrying about sending my pride and joy to this crazy yes. country and actually to the world and not one t-shirt was left. everybody no. threw the money in the car because they couldn't see us around so no. they, they left the t-shirt got the t-shirt they wanted and fired the money in the car just unreal
0: that's such genuine people, isn't it? Ah, oh, genuine people. And then <laughs>
1: as Jared, as you know, Jared Wilson, yeah. then came over to Donegal and
0: uh-huh.
1: settled in. You know, like he was part of the family. Ah, oh, sure. Uh huh.
0: Like sure, he spent the weekend with us. Ah, right. yeah. The, yes. the, the he's, abuse he's he done. got. It
1: <laughs> was home at Donegal, actually. I
0: know. <laughs> 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 and he, he just took the abuse just straight right from the get go. Ah, <laughs> but I mean, he's such a droll character. Yes. He's
1: <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny somebody tried to take a piss out of him as soon as he arrived because the service was behind the clan Rhee on the Friday and uh, this, I probably made the facts all right but Gary my brother was in the middle of it and they had the the car was sitting down there no the car was in scrutiny Jared was in service behind the clan re rally hadn't started yet obviously uh, but we forgot the paperwork for the car it was still in the van so Gary had left down with a couple of lads and guy was in the back of this BMW coming down to get the paperwork and they drove in round and they spied Jared because he wasn't hard to, no. he had a fair decent to Tom, he wasn't hard to, it would be hard to miss. So they the ciphered up behind, beside him and wound in the one and he says, uh, you haven't seen Frank Yelly about, have you? No. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared says, no, no. And he says, uh, what do you think of Frank Yelly? No, oh, he's all right. He's all right. He says he's definitely not here, can you not point him out? He says, No, but he says, keep a look out for him. He says it's big long curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly what was going on. Yes. He was being wound up. Uh-huh. So he just gave it back as good as he got uh-huh. it. fair fair play
0: though. I uh, on Friday evening we were coming down to Letter Kenny, you know, the traffic letter Kenny is desperate, you know. And we're in yeah. this yeah. like one of my mates, he had the Range Rover at the time. And there's George sitting in the back, well, the one down looking out, he goes they probably think I'm like a drug dealer <laughs> <Things like laughs> big Range Rover him hanging out the back and all these other white guys ah Gerber's on <laughs> mm. oh, Jared's uh, for sure uh, 2015 then Lauren took the the passenger seat for the Glens of Antrim. so this was yeah. the start of another <laughs> Uh
1: it was indeed at, uh, a lot to answer for as well that, that was a very much a last minute thing because she had talked about maybe doing a rally and I talked about uh, if she wanted to enter a night-nav uh, we could go and do a an night-nav either in a road car or take the mark 2 or whatever you know whatever was allowed and
0: yeah.
1: as you know in the north night-navs are fairly tight and strict, but the down south there's more of a push about them uh-huh. and I said listen if you is a night-nav about Monaghan or Calvin maybe we'll go and do one of them but she wasn't that keen on that idea she wanted to be in the forest so uh, it was talked about a few times but it never really nothing was just talked about and that was it uh-huh. uh, but the last rally of 2015 my season was over and I'd, I was with a 2015 was a tough season, I'd done a lot of racking in 2015, but the JRE was back getting around an overhaul. Actually, no, i tell a lie, there was no JRE, but the JRE engine went to KGP up in Donegal for an overhaul, mm-hmm. and I was always used to two or three months before you see it, but it was back a fortnight later, done dusted. and it was back on the Thursday, and doglip uh, dog leap was on on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I thought
0: thirty run as it was in it at that stage I No, 30 was runs, no the glens the glens hunting. <laughs> you're right. I, it's yes. usually doggy stages, but it's I, the glens rather. Really, you're hundred
1: percent right. Um but uh I thought to myself, I'll say nothing, but if I've got this engine bolted in and it goes alright, I might look a bit a cool driver and so I bolted it in and had it up and running and then Friday evening uh knocked Lauren's bedroom door and I, I threw in a set of pace notes and I says, Take a look over them. And she says, "Why? what's that for? And I says, That's for the rally mean you're doing tomorrow. And she says, What do you mean? And I says, We're going to do the Glen the tomorrow. I says, let entry. Pat has just dropped off the notes. There you go. There's a DVD there, have a look at that. But 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 you're not gonna you're not serious, you're not serious. And I says, Lauren, I'm just testing this new engine. We'll take it gently, we'll not do anything stupid. And I says, uh too late to go look for a good there. So me and her went through the DVD once. And she marked landmarks that if she got lost or where she could pick up the notes. Uh, she hadn't seen a time card before. We signed on and we were running just behind Shane and Jackie, Shane McGuire, Jackie Elliott, or just ahead of them. I think we were just behind them. And Oren Donnelly and Paul Hughes were running close to us. And Adrian was running close to us. And they all took her under or their umbrella because I'm not good with time, <laughs> time cards either. And uh, even Oren would wait at the end of the stage. We were running behind Oren because Oren would wait. Cause he knew that in of the woods and he yes. would take it from the road section to the next stage, you know, mm-hmm. which was class. But we started the first stage and I promised her, I said, listen, I will drive where I feel safe to drive. I'm not, we're not here to get a result. We're just here to have a bit of crack and give you a, a feel for what the forest like and put it out of your head for good. This will mm-hmm. be, you know, this will end your any thinking of going rallying and uh, that'll be it. But not calling you Kevin, um, the time I was in fourth gear, I was to the 10 It just <laughs> all sunk in. And the stage, I can't remember the name of the stage or what stage we're on, but mm-hmm. it started really, really fast. You know, it, it started off really fast. You know, for the first two or three miles you were well lit in fourth, fifth, sixth uh-huh. gear down through the first. And it was a slimy, slippy old day, but a combination of the engine was going real well and Lauren's notes sounded so positive, we I just went at it and we were fast to two wheel in the first stage of her rally career. And we fought the whole day, and I uh, made a couple of tire choices wrong, and I drove all right. But um, we were in a shootout, one and two wheel drive, getting to the last stage, and uh, we we pushed hard because there was only maybe seven or eight seconds covered covered the top six two wheel drives or five uh-huh. wheel drives. We was nothing not the whole day, so you could have been first or seventh. Uh-huh. You know, yes, that, that that that's the way it could have been. But. Uh, not not a mile from the end of the last stage. I put her in a shock at probably 70 miles an hour. Uh, but we went down a shock. Dun, dun, dum dun, 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 dun. And fourth or fifth gear. And I went down the gears to try and keep the momentum up. And luckily enough, she shouted, get out of the And she shot out onto the road. And we got to the end of stage. But we, we lost three or four seconds. And that lap just, that so we finished second or third two-wheel drive. Uh-huh. I can't remember. But we were like four or five seconds of one and two-wheel drive. Yeah. So I felt bad that I didn't win it with her in the car for the first, you know, first drawn out. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I was so relieved that we didn't end it in that shock. Yes. Because I didn't want our first rally to be that feeling because that uh-huh. there's no worse feeling than not finishing a rally. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like a Peusmeyer. If I don't finish a rally, I have to get rallying immediately right. to, to, to get rid of that feeling of not finishing the rally. Uh-huh. And that's why a lot of the time, even when I'm out of the rally, I'll still continue if I can go and finish the rally uh-huh. because it doesn't feel half as bad coming home having went over the finish line. line yes
0: uh-huh.
1: even if I've missed a stage or two <laughs> you know it still doesn't feel as bad as oh. being in that shock and staying there uh-huh. because literally you would remortgage the house to get out of that stage you know yeah. so no it was it was a baptism of fire and um, she had a sort of a nickname of deep end motorsport for a while after that because she just gets through it to the deep end all the time uh-huh. it was the same with her our, our first uh, tarmac rally was the last minute thing Raven's Rock
0: mm-hmm.
1: what would that have been sixteen or seventeen I can't remember. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was a whole other ball game with a millington on dry tarmac. She just couldn't get over the difference. So
0: Yes.
1: Uh, but uh, like everything, uh, when Lauren's fired into the deep end, she starts swimming.
0: Uh-huh. Just took to it. And,
1: I just yeah. took to it. And she's such a natural. It's, it's, well, it's probably a bit of, uh, you know, fire daughter. We know exactly what what's going on. And she knows, she knows how dyslexic and stupid I am and the stupid shit I've done over the years and the stupid things I'm likely to do and uh-huh. how I mix up my left and my right. And, you know, just... <laughs> all the stuff, she just knows it, that you don't have to educate her. No. You know, any any. I've lots of cool laborers over the years and, and God help them, they seem to allow for my inadequacies, but, um, you know, it, sometimes you have to educate them really quickly and say, listen, you're going to tell me everything three times and don't stop talking. I can't, I can't remember where that happened, but somebody went quiet on me many, many years ago and I thought they'd passed out. Right. And, it scared the living shit out of me and ever since that, I've this phobia about things going quiet in the car, so, it's one of the only things that I really tell people at the beginning of a, of a rally if if Sunday's never said them before is just don't stop talking.
0: Yeah, whatever it is, just don't keep, like, talking. You know, keep Even
1: if it. it's a 1,200 slits, uh-huh. If you want to talk about the weather, if you want to talk about your pet all season, I don't <laughs> care. Just do not <laughs> stop
0: talking. Um, the travels continued then into 2017. Like, New Zealand, Australia, uh, San Sonas Rally and then Rally Legend. Though. Like, this traveling is really taking off now at this stage. It has. Um, that again,
1: you know, as as the things went and, and going to Trinidad, and I think uh, probably people, uh, maybe different clubs around the world, realized this Clampett will actually send his car uh, because it's, it doesn't seem to be hard to get a, a, a competitor to go and do a rally anywhere, but to actually bring their own car is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So I know that Baby Blue's the star and I'm just a general attendant, so there's no point in me going without the car. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a job, just, I don't know as bravery or stupidity or, or blind faith, but I. Uh, if the thing sounds right and feels right, you know, when, it, when I look back on it, there was loads of emails over the years inviting me to these rallies, and I didn't take them seriously at all. And again, with Lauren, you know, there was a conversation at the table one night, and I said, them and in, in a glare are looking to do that bloody car park rally again. And uh, she says, what car park rally is this? San Remo or San Marino or something. She says, Rally lights in San Marino. And I says, I sound she says, You got an invite for that. And I said Well, they've been at- inviting me two or three years. But I says, It just looks like a car park thing. I put it on YouTube one night and it looked like I went around cones, so I just cancelled out of it. She says, That's the most prestigious rally in Europe. She says, that's- you-, you have to get an invite to that rally. And I said, Well, it doesn't look like much. She says, No, no, that's only the super special. <laughs> so she knew all about it. Yes. And I didn't. So she was seriously pissed off with me because we, that was too late to do anything about it that year. But then, luckily, they invited me again, and we, we did something about it and went to it. And uh-huh. as you know, we've been at it three years in a row now.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Don't know what's going to happen in this year. Obviously, no. <laughs> but It's just it's a big effort to get there now. It's a long trip to Italy, uh-huh. But that's why we've tied in with a couple of our rallies now, where maybe you do... Uh, the last couple of years, we did that Belgian rally,
0: uh-huh.
1: Eskert Rally Special, which is a fantastic rally as well, but it's competitive. So you have to be on your game there and uh, then then leave the car there and go fly out. Sixty year old flies you back out again and pick up the car and drive an hour sort of four or five hours down to Italy and do that. And, no, it's been it's been really good. Uh, but as I said, I didn't take a lot of these emails seriously because you're always thinking, right, this is a twelve year old in his bedroom that, that thinks it's a great idea to wind up this Irishman. So <laughs> yeah. and who's gonna want a bloody escort, you know, from Ireland? to go tell New Zealand or Australia or, or Trinidad mm-hmm. or or any of these places and I just didn't take it seriously until Lauren opened my eyes that that, that was genuine so mm-hmm. there hasn't been I can't th- hardly even think of anything that's been a wind-up it's all been genuine stuff mm-hmm. and uh, like New Zealand was was unbelievable and we've been in New Zealand twice mm-hmm. and we've done three rallies we did two rallies the last time out there and the roads are just it's so different you know gravel roads and as I've said I love me gravel rallying but the line, there's tarmac lines, It's like big wide roads, and they're taking these tarmac lines on them. And it just feels so alien, you know, and even making your notes and, and even the way they do notes, you know, the first rally we did at New Zealand and the Otago rally down in South Island uh, based in Dunedin. The Racky is a one pass convoy Racky. Mm. And again, you can either write your own notes or get suppliers notes. And I thought the Scottish notes were bad. Jesus Christ, I don't know what the story is in New Zealand. The, the f- a funny thing about what happened that, Kevin, uh, uh, the first time I went out at an Irish lad living out there, uh, he's out there six or seven years, maybe more, uh, Noel Maloney. Lovely fella from Kerry. The strangest accent you've ever heard. A <laughs> Kerry stroke New Zealand accent. But he he was drafted and he co for me. And lovely fella, perfect. But he he warned me these notes are a wee bit uh, guess, guesswork. <laughs> so uh, they have a one-to-eight system. They have no squares or hairpins, just one-to-eight. My, with my notes here is one to six and then squares and hairpins and one's a fast corner and six is almost a square mm-hmm. so out there they go the opposite direction oh, it's flattered and one's a, 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 an acute hairpin mm-hmm. so I, I i really was petrified going there and and trusting that i would not get my numbers mixed up you know even if the numbers was going the right way at yeah. least uh-huh. I would have uh-huh. Something
0: uh-huh.
1: but um I, I, I spoke to the the, the guy who does the notes right there, and uh, I sent him a big email just saying, you know, who I was, and I was coming out, and I was really looking forward to it, and there's going to be class and all this, and I, uh, he was a note man, and looking forward to using his notes and that, da, 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 da. that, It was about four paragraphs, mm-hmm. and I, I said, listen, would there be any possibility that you could reverse the notes for me, uh, and just instead of being one yeah. slowest, fastest, make it the other way around? And he sent me back an email about two weeks later, no. end of (laughs) it wasn't just no it was hey Frank no (laughs) and that was it and I thought right that's (laughs) not going to work (laughs) and I thought right if we start writing the notes rewriting the notes it's going to be some because there's two days of rallying and there's very few stages used twice so you have a telephone book to rewrite and you only get the notes the day before the rally which is Iraqi.
0: Oh, so yes. I have got the week's
1: adventure. It. It's just not physically possible. So long story short, it turned out you use the Jamba system the same as Patterson's do. So Patterson's, they stepped in and they got in touch with Jamba, who's a Scandinavian-based outfit, maybe Sweden or somewhere. Right. And they, whatever, I don't know exactly, Kev, I'm not going to try and tell you the way it works, but there's some kind of a computerized system when they drive through the stage, it spits them out, a basic set of notes, and then they tidy it up to suit Mm-hmm. I don't think in New Zealand there was any heading up done, it was just spat out, printed, and away it went. So, if you met somebody on the road with their, their, their gravel roads or mostly public roads and you had to pull up into the hedge, it, it recorded that that. A, uh-huh. sharp, a sharper corner or whatever. Or if you cut the corner, it recorded it as a faster corner. But anyway, anyway, Patterson, they stepped in and they said, Listen, we use Jamba He uses Jamba We'll get in touch with Jamba direct. He loved the trace and we get them to reverse it. So, in fairness to him, Jemba reversed it. Yes. But obviously, as I'm Irish, Nearly every corner had a plus and minus, and they reversed the pluses and minuses as oh, well. Oh, yes. Now, it was stage three or four before I worked out that that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to Noel a couple of times, I said, Jesus, Noel, is the notion to me, or are the pluses tighter than the minuses? <laughs> he said, Jesus, brother, no, there couldn't be, there couldn't be. But eventually, we went off in stage three, and, and to be fair, it wasn't really a fault of the notes. It was just like I got caught out on a really slow, stupid corner and caught the gravel and just got sucked into the hedge. Done uh-huh. no damage, but I got a stage maximum. But uh, I, when, when we get into service, I says, give me a look at them notes again. So, and into the abbreviations, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, minus is a corner that opens. <laughs> <laughs> plus is a corner that tightens slightly. So, they reversed all the numbers and reverse plus, plus minus. minus. Maybe they thought this is the way the Irish people work I don't know. <laughs> but that was a fantastic experience. Otherwise, it was a fantastic experience. Yes. And everybody, uh, nobody could do enough for you. And uh, Magnum Motorsport, a boy called Jeff Judd, who's a sort of a superstar in his own rights out there, has navigated in WRC. And uh, would have been in the Subaru team when McRae was in the Subaru team, did the, the, mm-hmm. the Indonesian Championships and stuff. And I could be... Talking at a place, he made a navigator for Possum Bourne back in the day, but he was definitely right. around in them days anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he run, he runs a couple of escorts out there, and as a real good service squad, mm-hmm. and they took me under their wing and looked after me, and uh, I made some friends for life out there. Best oh, definitely mm-hmm. a bit of.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, So like Lauren then has now become sort of more regular now, especially on the way uh, trips. No, like that must be fantastic right. having that. Um, father daughter relationship and the car never knows to, to it's
1: share handy, it's, it's, it's very handy I, uh, <laughs> I I prefer to just be family to be honest and and co divers normally get drafted into the family <laughs> you know <laughs> whether they like it or not uh, you know Liam's pretty much part of our family without doubt because uh, uh-huh. Liam stuck to me three seconds in when any other man would have walked away uh, but Having Lauren now going the overseas trips where you're going to have somebody flying with you and staying with you and traveling with you. You know, when his family is different, it's, it's handier. And uh, Liam, Liam was nearly going to a couple of different rallies with us, but he's a very busy man at work and he's a very young family and stuff, and it just uh-huh. wasn't going to happen. So uh, Lauren Lauren's drafted into them. And to be fair, Lauren's fantastic at writing notes. You know, she took to mm-hmm. that like a duck to water because the last time we went back to Australia or New Zealand there, uh, they gave us, they, they changed the rules slightly where it wasn't just a one pass in convoy it was two passes in convoy so convoy still a pain in the arse but uh, we wrote notes on the first pass and checked them on the second pass and that was it we went rallying and when you consider how long you're how often you're in sixth gear they had to be right and i was worried because the convoy runs quite fast mm-hmm. they 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 have a minimum speed more than a maximum speed and you have to be over i can't remember 50 or 60 kilometers an hour at all times to keep this snake moving and they have uh, 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 official cars, sort of every 10th car in the queue of 130 competitors is an official's car and they keep you bunched up so you can't make space and oh, lay yes. back and take a run of things you have to stay in the convoy and you're generally in a cloud of dust yes. so it's really really tough mm-hmm. but I'm spitting out these notes like a machine gun and I get to the end of a 20 kilometer stage or there was one of them 48 kilometers long you get to the end of it and you say Lauren did you get any of that yeah yeah it's done, it's done. and I said, but did you get that put to the team ah, yeah yeah it's done are you sure? I'm telling you, it's not. <laughs> and then we go round after the whole thing and do the uh-huh. second run, and everything is, is. run down. Everything is there that I spat out, uh-huh. and you just think, Jesus Christ, are yeah. you even my daughter? Uh, you know, for you so young
0: it? and so like uh-huh. inexperienced at it, really. You know, so it's just.
1: And any time I question it, she says, "You know, I am a female. I can multitask."
0: <laughs> can argue it that can you <laughs> you? can sense.
1: breathe and talk at the same
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> just don't argue. <laughs>
1: But it, it's 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 very challenging on the cold day for that kind yeah. of uh, uh-huh. format mm-hmm. on on single use stages like the we did that and we did the fungary Rally way up in the North Island uh, last year and the two rallies the two the two rallies added up till nearly six hundred stage kilometers mostly single use yeah. and if you work at it over a full gravel Irish gravel season that's Nearly a full
0: gravel season. season. Uh-huh. You, rallies. you take the likes of the bushwhackers, like, is, it 40, is it even 40 miles? It's, 30... it's not 40 miles, no. it's, it's, uh-huh. it's not much over 30, to be fair. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, uh, so,
1: and, and it still takes you all day to do it? Yes. Uh-huh. And you still use as many tires? <laughs> <laughs> Something like yes. So, <laughs> now, tire wear was a big problem, especially in the northern rally, because uh, down the South Islands. And April time is is more hurricane weather, you know, it's sharp in the mornings and you're not going to usually be in a t-shirt, you know, unless, unless it's a warmer day than usual. But up in the north, at the very top of the North Island, where the second rally was, which was only three weeks later, is more in the tropics and a much more abrasive surface. So tire wear was a mental problem. Like, we carried two in the boot and still come in with four completely wrecked tires. And sometimes the two we took off got went back on again to get us back to service. Just to keep you, you know, uh, we, uh-huh. me and her team, some amount of tires, and mm-hmm. that weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't have a massive amount of tire trucks there either. They have a Dunlop truck, and I think they had a Kumho truck. Right. I think that was it. I had some Pirellis with me, and I quickly racked them, and then oh, they've MRF. We ended up on MRF, and we racked them, and then we racked mm-hmm. Dunlops. And we ended up maybe with a Dunlop on one side and an MRF on the other side, and just it got funny at the finish up.
0: Uh, just, just to get you through. Came
1: a... Became a running, joke. Here we come. Tired, shit. But it was an experience. Very much an experience.
0: And then, just to go back a few years, if it blew up for sale at a time, I suppose you're. Are you glad now she doesn't sell? I yes. Listen, you know, both
1: cars are for sale at all times. There never was a plan to have two of them. Um I put it up for sale when in twenty. End of twenty thirteen I thought about lightening the car a bit and uh, we're thinking about going Millington and putting a different gearbox in bigger tunnel and there was gonna be a lot of the car was gonna be slipped down and the car was in real good nick and it was sort of gonna be a sin to slipper and do all this and I thought maybe we should just start from scratch again. You know, and, and just start from scratch and, and mm-hmm. then we can do all these things in the in the build. So we've got a a rolling shell that, that had been a sort of a project and, and not finished and uh, Started on it and done a deal with Millington, and got that on the in the pipeline coming, and you know had to be paid for it and all this. There's lots of things had to be paid for, and I thought, well, selling the the original baby blue, I'll, I'll cover a fair bit of this, and as I go along and build it up, build it up, I'll I'll be alright. Mm-hmm. So I, I had her sort of had her verbally sold to a guy in Scotland who who I don't know if he fell off the edge of a cliff or maybe Christ a plane or something. Never has been seen since. But long story short. There was a lot of stuff done on the strength of the sale of the car and it fell through so I ended up with a million in common and no money to pay for it and mortgage didn't get paid for a couple of months and one thing another but we held my deal and we got through it and we ended up the our side with two yeah. two bloody experts uh, but that gave us the, the opportunities then that when we were sending the car abroad we could still do rallies at home because Bass Jack arrived in 2012 and of 2012 and 2013 and, and they've been with us ever since and then Jefferson came on board and I've had, you know, PH up lasting and Campbell contracts have been with me from the way back in the Fiesta and and mm-hmm. sort of Tarzan days and they've always stuck with me and you, know, you want to keep them happy too. There's no point in me doing rallies abroad and markets that they're not going to be even selling stuff to to, to, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. It's like I said to BASAC one time, you know, we had the opportunity. Um, I can't remember where it was. It was, uh, it was Trinidad, I think, where a couple of local sponsors wanted to go in the car. Uh, they're big Trinidad and Tobago, their whole industry is based around oil and gas. So, the oil refineries and the servicing of them and stuff, and, and the manpower going out and for, back and forth. And we had an opportunity to have a couple of sponsors to cover fuel bills and tire bills and stuff out right there that the organizers had conjured up for us. And, you know, right. So, spoke to Bashack and said, Listen, you know, is there any chance I could put this name on for one rally? And he said, Listen, I'm not going to sell no bass in Trinidad. You know, work away. And, yeah. you know, to have sponsors that have that caliber. Mm-hmm. That are willing to take a step back when you're doing a rally out of their region, you know, just says a lot for them people. You know, they'll do that, and uh-huh. you st- you, because of that, you want to support them as best you can. So having the car at home and still rallying home and still doing what we do and getting their name out there, you know, it it, it makes it all doable. Uh-huh. But as I say, both are for sale at all times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> according uh, to
1: Rosemary there am anyway. I yes
0: <laughs> you just agree <laughs> yeah. uh, you tested the uh, Mageehan money a few years ago uh, yeah is, is that something you'd like to do would you would you love to jump into a, a world car or an R5 ah uh, listen it's not something that I, I
1: would uh, I would kill myself to get at or something I'd probably kill myself in that book I think but <laughs> it, would be, it would be nice to sample it definitely you know when uh Derek rang me one day and uh, I did a bit of work for Derek back and forth and uh, security and once in an hour. And me and Derek get on like a house on fire. He's a, he's a crabby bugger, but me and him get on real well, probably because I'm crabby too. But um, he rang me one day and I thought he was ringing about a bit of work or something and he says, Listen, we're doing a test and then uh I want you to come up and take a run with. And I thought, Did I just hear him right? I said, Derek, this is Frank Kelly here, you run me. I says, were you supposed to ring your own number? And he says, no, no. He says, don't be stupid. He says, I did. I knew who was ringing. I says, right, Derek, you're going to give me a run on your mini WRC. And he says, aye, we're doing a test. He says, I want to make you up to take it for him. He says, right. And I'm not going to get a bill for this. No, no, no. And we're going to be insured? No, aye, aye, aye. I'm not going to, have to pay for tires. or fuel, No, no, no. no. I said, right, what's the catch? What is the catch? Because then I started myself, right, they've insured it to the balls and they're pretty sure I'm going to write it off. So it's a way <laughs> This it, is the monster of here. <laughs> but it was genuine. It was above board. Uh-huh. Derek is a above board sort of guy. Uh, so I arrived up and got a cut there. It was a misly, pissy, shitty old day. And uh, to be fair, being used to a Millington, it didn't scare me power or anything. You know, 1600 WRC, I think it was. Uh-huh. I think yeah. they're 1600. Uh, and they're not they are, too
0: yeah.
1: But the brakes, Jesus Christ, the brakes. I could not get over the brakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even on a a pain-needly, shitty tarmac road in the West, the brakes were phenomenal. Phenomenal. I just couldn't get over it. I only had two or three runs up a a two-kilometer road. Mm -hmm. But it was enough for me to think, how would you ever get to get the maximum out of them brakes? You know, just hats off. I don't know that I could ever believe in that. You know, I I think... the noggin's too old, and the too sideways, and too many uh-huh. things to 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 do that. And as I found out over the years, uh, when I any I've tried to go on a sim simulator or do them do a,
0: a video yeah. game, basically is what I would call uh-huh. it,
1: because my ass is not moving, I can't feel what's going on, and I just I'm completely useless at it. Completely yeah. useless. At it.
0: So yeah. see the hand strap. I,
1: I it's very much so. I didn't realize how much information I get from my ass. Uh, and that's probably not a good thing, but it's, it's just the way it is. So um, I don't know that a WRC would move about enough, but maybe I've got one down through the forest. But I've always <laughs> said that what I, if I had a choice of anything, a 6R4 Metro down through the forest is bound to be, be. life-threatening. Yes. That V6 mm-hmm. be wailing behind you. But listen, I, I've driven a, a Focus WRC on the road just at road speed and a Peugeot 206 WRC on the road. Left hookers, so it feels funny, and that many of of Derek's. But Mm -hmm. Derek's was the only thing that I got to drive at any kind of pace, if you understand. Uh But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know. But hey, listen, I'm lucky, man, to have a Millington escort, and I love my Millington escort, and that's the way it's going to be. It's just going to be an escort. It's just, Uh it's it's, uh, why change something you enjoy too much, you know. And rallying and rallying and, and rally life, I always feel that a lot of people nearly take it too serious and yes we all want to get a good result but at the end of the day we're club men we go to work on a Monday morning the hands gonna change so yes. enjoy enjoy it and enjoy it to the max you mm-hmm. know and if you get a result great but have enjoyed it is very mm-hmm. important and, and sometimes you look around a service park in the morning or a park for me and it, it's a bit disheartening when you see so many faces that you know are not really enjoying it you know that they're there for a result they're not enjoying it and if I'd ever get to that point, I'd, I'd be packing my bags and walking through the door.
0: Okay. Well, Frank, I think that's as good a place to leave it as any. You can't really argue with that sentiment there at the end.
1: Yeah, bound to be run out of uh, uh,
0: video with this. Char- char- <laughs> charging your phone <laughs> at this stage. Yes. Frank, thank you very much.
1: Pleasure talking to you as always, Kevin.
0: Good, man. Pleasure Take care now. Bye bye. All
1: the best night. Be good.
0: That was Frank Kelly and myself, Kevin Glendinning, talking rallying on Crunching Gears. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. On the next podcast, we have Connor Curley, and let me tell you that is something worth listening to. I hope you enjoyed this, and could you please like, share, and subscribe? And if you're listening to iTunes, can you please rate the podcast? Thank you very much. Until next time, bye bye.